team for hanging out with us and leading us this morning. We are so grateful to have you and uh, for everything that you do for us. And uh, man, just just excited to be here. If you're excited to be here, say yeah. yeah. All right. We are glad that you're here this morning at Fusion Madison. And uh, I know that you've already been greeted. I know that people have already told you hello. I know that you've already shaken hands with people, but I want to welcome you as well. I'm Pastor Aaron. I'm lead pastor of Fusion Madison. And I uh, counted a privilege to be with you this morning and to worship with you this morning and to get into God's word this morning. And just as a note, before we get into the message this morning, if you have your Bible, you can turn over to Matthew chapter one. That's where we're going to be today. Uh, but I do want to let you know a little bit about what's going on. Uh, we, we had a very full first service this morning and just excited about what God's doing. In the next week or two, I expect to hear from the bank uh, to close on our building that we're going to be buying for our church over on Park Avenue East. I'm super, super excited about that. We're going to be together in one service. Come on. I feel like it's like some people are excited. Some people are like, so much turkey. I had tripped a fan. I'm trying to do what I can. But uh, I'm super excited because y'all are going to get to meet some new people here real soon. And that's exciting to me. I'm excited about what God's doing in our midst and I believe that God is getting ready just to use this church in a mighty, mighty, mighty way. So thank you for that. I say that to say this. Uh, that is a church that is much like this building. It's going to need a little bit of TLC. And so uh, if you have time, talent, or energy in the next uh, in the next few weeks, we could use your help. Amen? Amen. So don't be saying amen if you ain't helping, okay? And if you ain't, if you don't have any skills, we like cookies and chicken wings, okay? You can bring cookie, and that, that's fuel for for what we're gonna do. But we're super excited about that, and uh, and just excited about this upcoming season. I'm a, I'm excited about getting ready to preach this message series called Unexpected. Look at your neighbor and say unexpected. And uh, this is going to be our Christmas series. This is going to take us all the way up to December 19th. I need everybody to kind of mentally mark that date in your head. December 19th is the day we're going to kind of celebrate our Christmas service uh, because December 26th is the following Sunday. I don't know how your life works, but as soon as Christmas is over, as soon as the 25th passes, man, my mind is on past it. So we're going to do it beforehand. Uh, once the 26th hits at my house, I'm like, let's tear it all down, get the decorations out, trees got to go. And uh, I'm excited about that and getting some space back. I get bumped out of my house during Christmas pretty much. The couple corners I have that are my things, they go bye-bye. So um, I like Christmas. Do you like Christmas in here? This is this is this is where it gets real. Um, I would be completely fabricating the truth if I told you that I love Christmas one tenth as much as my wife loves Christmas. Um, she bleeds hot chocolate, man. I like that. I, I like I my love for Christmas compared to hers would look like hatred for Christmas. Everything Christmas related, she is so Christmas oriented, and I, I, I love, I love her for it. She asks me every year. She says, "Honey, and this is every year. It's getting." She increasingly asks it more. 
if something happens to me, will you do all the decorating that I do at Christmas for our kids? And I, I go, baby, I love how much you love Christmas, but no. No, I won't. It'll be up for sale as, 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 as soon as you're gone. Because it is so much work. It has nothing to do with me not loving Christmas. I'm just lazy. And putting up one tree takes forever. And she puts up, we have right now in our, in our house, like seven, six, is it six? We have six Christmas trees in our house right now. It is a forest uh, in our house. It is a pine forest in our house right now. And she lovingly crafts every single one of them. And there are, I I will say this, there are certain things, we're going to be doing a series called Unexpected, but there are certain parts of Christmas that are absolutely expected. We don't like a lot of change at the holidays. That's why we establish things known as tradition. Tradition, the very essence of tradition is you must do this year what we did last year and what we did last year we did the year before that and the year before that and the year before that and there's a lot of tradition that gets established and I will I will say this as a pastor this is one of the most difficult times of the year to pastor a church and you might be looking at me and going Christmas is the Super Bowl and 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 Easter is like the college national championships of of being a pastor I'm going to tell you as a pastor it is the hardest time to pastor church because you always want to come with something creative. You want to come with something fresh. You want to come with something that's going to be a new revelation for people in their life. But the Christmas story, even people that haven't been in church for a very long time, they know the Christmas story. And ultimately at the end of the day, as a pastor, there's people in the church that are like, pastor, uh, you, you know, we really, we're really thinking about bringing our friends and our family members and our neighbors and our coworkers at Christmas time. We want to bring them to the church. And so we want you to bring your A game and we want you to impress us, and we want the service to be crazy good, then we want you to speak well, and we want you to be their pageantry and the lights and the music and all this stuff, but don't change anything <laughs> uh, because it's tradition. So you got to do everything traditional, and yet everybody wants you to impress them. And, and so it's hard. I have learned through the years that I'm a simplistic preacher around Christmas time, around this time of the year, I believe the message speaks for itself. And so we just very, very, very succinctly talk about Matthew chapter one, Luke chapter one, Luke chapter two. And we just tell the story because it's, it's pivotal to our faith. Amen. This is the whole ball of wax. Christmas and Easter is the whole ball of wax. And so telling this story and getting this story right is incredibly important. I can tell you around the Rose household, there are certain things that are expected around Christmas time. Number one is Tara is going to decorate the house like crazy for Christmas time. And it's moving up every year. Um, used to be, we would have been decorating yesterday. That would have been decorating day, would have been yesterday. This year, I started getting asked if we could decorate before Halloween had even passed. <laughs> if I'm lying, I'm dying. I'm telling the truth. She, she, she looks at me and she goes, now, can we do it? How about now? How about now? And I told first service, I know at some point in time in the next probably 10 or 15 years, my Valentine's Day present to her is going to be, you can go ahead and decorate for Christmas now, babe, and we'll have it up year round. She loves decorating for Christmas. And now my kids like it too. My daughter McKenna's like, can we decorate now? How about now? How about now? How about now? I'm like, good grief. Let's just eat some turkey first. Okay. And, uh, and so we don't even get through other holidays now. Like that is, that is the holiday. And so we decorate like she decorates for weeks for Christmas. And, and that's, that's an expected in our household. The next expected that happens in our household is sometime this year, it was before Thanksgiving, even for that, that the, the women of our family get together 
and they used to bake together at my house, and it just was a disaster. I hated being there. There's the flour everywhere and chocolate melted on the floor, and, and the curtains were covered in powdered sugar, and it was just ridiculous. But now they, they bake a bunch of cookies, they gather together, and they do a trade, and they, 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 they trade cookies. And I don't like having them there because I have what we would call a weight problem. I, I, uh, I, I struggle with it. I eat the cookies. I'm like, get them out of the house. And she takes them to work and all that stuff. But that's expected in our household that they bake and they share cookies. And it's not Christmas until they actually do that. And then, and then the next, uh, the, the next item that we, that we have to do after the baking and after the decorating is every year, Tara is a huge Black Friday. How many people by a show of hands like Black Friday in here? I'm going to see you're by yourself. Cyber Monday, Cyber Monday, people. Cyber Monday, how many people just don't buy anybody anything because you don't like anybody? <laughs> that seems to be the trend of the church. Uh, <laughs> she loves getting out. She used to like it when a lot of people went uh, Black Friday shopping. Now she's like, it's so pathetic. Nobody even comes out anymore. I think she liked throwing elbows. That was like the one time a year where she got to get into a, a scrum with people. And uh, and she likes doing that. She brings presents home and everything. And that's, that's the start of Christmas. That's an expected. And then another expected in our house uh, is we, every year, uh, we head down to, to Delaware and we go to Alum Creek. There's a huge light display uh, down at Delaware at Alum Creek. It's like three miles long. And Another little tradition that, that's my tradition is I always like to run us out of gas before we get there so that I go through the whole light display with my gas light on. I've done that every single year. And Tara's like, why are you doing that? I was like, it's a tradition now that we might, we might actually get stopped in here. Um, and so we go down there every single year. Sometimes we go twice and we enjoy the lights and all that stuff. Those are the things that make, that make Christmas kind of... Christmas. We know it's Christmas at our household once these things have started to happen. We establish those things as a family uh, because you want to have traditions with your family. You want your kids to have certain expectations at this time of the year. And, 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 and there's, something about, there's something about Christmas and traditions that anchor us to the past, that anchor us to, some, to, to the place that we're grounded. And, and, and we like that anchoring. We like that in an ever-changing world that there's a handful of family traditions that we have that never really do change. And we struggle we struggle tremendously with change uh, around these times of years. And, and so we like things that are expected. We don't like surprises at Christmas. But I will tell you this, if you look at the establishment of the Christmas story, if you go over into Matthew chapter one and Matthew chapter two and Luke chapter one and Luke chapter two, this is not a season of expectation for the people that started the Christmas story. This is a season that came unexpectedly. And there were a lot of things that happened unexpectedly. And we, we deal with a lot of unexpected things in our life. We deal with unexpected things around this time of year. And so I want to talk to you uh, 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 for the next several weeks about the unexpected things that kind of happen to us in life and around Christmas season and deal with it from that perspective. And I think we've all had moments, we've all had moments where uh, things have happened in our life that were unexpected. I know I'm doing a lot of show of hands this morning, but by a show of hands, just in the last two years, how many of you have had some unexpected things happen in your life? You really have. If you've been around Fusion Church for any amount of time, we've had about seven months of unexpected, and we've existed exactly seven months. There's been a lot of unexpected things that have happened around here, things that we just weren't prepped for. And if you look at Mary's life and Joseph's life, the things that happened in their life at this time of the year was completely unexpected. Un 
expected. We've ha- we've all had we've all had good unexpected things happen in our life. And I'm not a I don't like surprises. I don't know about you. I don't like I don't like people jumping out at me. I'll punch you right in the mouth if you jump out at me and scare me. I don't like it. I don't like I don't like surprises. I don't like people trying to do things for me and pull things off. I don't like I don't like people like telling people it's my birthday at the restaurant. And I don't like getting sung to. I don't like none of it. I don't care. Don't give me no presents. Don't even acknowledge it's my day and I'm good with that. I don't like unexpected things. But sometimes that's why they're unexpected. You didn't see them coming. You didn't plan for them. They just happen. And we can all, we can all go back in our life and we can, we can mark moments in our life that when something unexpected happened in our life, it was a moment where our life changed forever. I remember kind of the first moment in my life where, where I presented an unexpected in my life changed forever. Like when I, when I took my wife to, when I took my wife to Marshall Park in Ontario, which was the first place that we ever, ever shared a kiss. And I took her, I took her there and I got down on one knee and I got the, the, the ring out. It was an unexpected moment. I think she actually expected it, but for the sake of this story, it's unexpected. <laughs> but, but, but you know, you know, when that box opens up and that, that, that guy gets down on his knee, you know, if you say yes, your life's about to change forever. What's about to happen is a life changing moment. There are other unexpected moments that will come along in your life. Like I remember when she came out of the bathroom with the little pregnancy stick that she had just peed on. She's like, I think it's got enough lines on it. It's got the lines. It's the lines. It's like, Look at this here. And I'm like, okay, here we go. We're having a baby. Super. Unexpected moments. Changes. It changes your life. It's a life-changing thing that happens that happens in our life. There's lots of things that happen in our life that we can go back and we, we can say, man, that was unexpected. But you know when you're in the moment that life is about to change forever because of, because of that moment. And I, 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 remember, I remember going to her dad's house and asking for permission for her hand in marriage. I knew if he said yes, that was going to be a life-changing moment. I knew kids would be a life-changing moment. Not all the unexpecteds that happen in our life are, are good unexpecteds. A lot of unexpecteds are hard unexpecteds. They're the things that, that, we, didn't, that we didn't see coming, and, and really, if we could undo them, they would be the unexpecteds that we wish hadn't happened in our life. We, and we're all, I say this, we're all in that same boat. All of us have had things that we didn't expect to have happen that have happened in our life and we've had to deal with them. As a pastor, I can tell you my, my phone has rang many times in the middle of the night. And I told this to first service and I'm kind of serious. I'm waiting for somebody to call me in the middle of the night and be like, I got promoted, you know, great things are happening and just hang up on me. Because every, every time the phone rings in the middle of the night, I roll over to her and I know my life might be about to change or the person on the other end of the line, their life's about to change forever, or it did just change. And several times this year, I got that phone call, and I knew this person's life, as soon as I pick this phone up and I say, hello, what I'm about to get told is an unexpected in somebody's life, and their life's about to change forever because of what I'm about to be told. We've had those moments happen in our life. We've, we've all had the moment at the doctor. And if you haven't had the moment at the doctor, you're going to have one day. We're going to, we, we, you know, it's probably going to happen where you have some routine tests run and the doctor says, I need you to come right back in here today. And the results that they give you are unexpected and they're life-changing, they're life-changing results. You didn't expect them. You didn't want them. 
but they came anyways, and you had to deal with them. And life's full of unexpected moments just like this, and, 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 and it is for Mary and Joseph, completely unexpected moments. There's so many unexpected moments that we face in life. Anytime your kid gets a hold of you, you as a mom and dad, and, and says something like, mom and dad, we really need, I need, really need to sit down and talk with you. You know as a parent, like what they are about to share, you're like, okay, what did you break? What did you do? What's going on in your life? You know, as your kids get older, you're like, are you running with a bad crowd? Are you pregnant? What's going on? You are expecting them to tell you something that's going to be life-changing. And it's words that you don't necessarily want to hear, things you don't necessarily want to go through. And, and yet there they are anyways. Unexpected moments that happen in our life. And I want to read to you today uh, the, the, story of, the, the story of Joseph. And Joseph is, jo- I'll tell you, uh, Joseph is, is just completely underutilized as a, as a figure in the Bible because he does not get spoken of much, okay? Joseph's only got a couple of chapters devoted to him in the entire Bible, um, spread across a couple of the synoptic gospels. There's a cu- couple of moments where Joseph is mentioned, not a whole lot about Joseph is mentioned, not a whole lot about his background is mentioned. We talk a whole lot about Mary, a whole lot about the wise men, a whole lot about Jesus himself, but Joseph really isn't talked about a whole lot. And let me give you this perspective of Joseph. We all know that Mary was special. We'll acknowledge that. I'll tip my cap that Mary was special because God could have chosen any female across time to give birth to the son of the living God. And he chose Mary. And Mary was special. She was blessed and favored of God and God chose her. But I'll tell you this, Joseph was also chosen because Joseph, anybody, God could have chosen anybody else to be the stepdad of the Godson. And there's only one person across the history of time that ends up being the stepdad of God, and that's Joseph. And so Joseph was just as chosen as Mary was. And I want to read you a little bit about his story and talk to you from the perspective of unexpected. Let's read this together in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. It'll be up there on the screen for you this morning. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Very few people take time to think about what Joseph just went through (laughs) in those three paragraphs. In all likelihood, because of the culture that they were living in, in all likelihood, this was an arranged marriage. 
it, it, it was a marriage of it was a marriage of circumstance. It was a, a marriage that was probably arranged by a couple of, uh, of dads. And there was probably some animals that might have traded hands <laughs> in order for this to happen. And I know that sound, I know, I know we can laugh about that and go, that's just crazy. I would never do that. But that's the way culture was back then. And that's probably what happened. Okay. But realistically, if you were to put it in the context of today and you were to think about this perspective from, from, from Joseph's perspective and think about you've gotten to this place in your relationship with Mary where you are about to marry Mary. Uh, the news that he receives is, is relatively difficult. In, in our context, in, in, in our life, in order to get to the place where we're betrothed, that we're engaged, there's been a whole lot of dating that's gone on at that point, right? You've been, you've been to a lot of dinners, to a lot of movies. In our case, we went putt-putt golf. We did all, all kinds of little different things and went, went to movies and went to dinners and we spent a lot of time with one another to get to know one another. And, and, it was it was an exciting time for us, and there was a lot of investment, a lot of investment of time that went into getting to know one another and making a decision on whether or not this person was the one for, for me. A lot of prayer went into it. If it's done right, if it's done right, you pray a lot about whether or not this person is the person for you. And I prayed an awful lot and struggled an awful lot to know, God, am I making the right choice? Because for me, ministry was a part of was a part of my decision making process, right? I wanted her, I wanted her to be able to cope with ministry because as a, as a pastor's wife, you, you share your husband a lot. I'm gone a lot. I talk to a lot of people and spend a lot of time away from my family. And so I'm like, Lord, this is a super important decision. And there was a lot that went into that. And then once I knew, once I knew that she was the one, then I started planning. Like I wanted to make sure that I wanted to make sure that our life was going to be what, what it needed to be. And we talked a lot about how we were going to raise our kids and kind of how we would discipline and how we would run our finances. And you start kind of planning your life together and having these deeper conversations with one another. And, and then, and then I started saving. I was in Bible college and I was only able to work on Mondays. And so I worked Monday for two years to save up to buy a ring that was diamond dust. It was dust on a ring. You blow it away. And, and she lost it in Myrtle Beach. But anyways, um, so she, she probably wanted something more expensive. She lost it in Myrtle Beach. <laughs> some, some hotel ladies cleaning with a diamond dust ring. Anyway, I saved everything I could have. Every Monday, man, all I did was buy gas for my car to go to Bible, to go to Bible school. And, and, then, and then I saved. I saved on Mondays, every Monday. We put the money aside, put the money aside. And I went, uh, I went to Duncan Jewelers and I bought the ring. And I'm like, all right. I'm gonna, and, then I, and then the part of the plan was like, okay, I'm going to go ask her dad for her hand in marriage. And I... I, boy, that's tough. If you if you if you've done that, you know exactly what. Her dad is not a terrifying guy. He is a butcher, which is a little bit of a scary. That's a scary profession, right? Like I feel like a butcher can disappear people, you know. Um, and and so uh, so I, I I I'm scared. I'm intimidated, but I know. I know the right thing to do is to ask for her hand in marriage to her father. And so I round up the courage and the plan goes. I go in, I ask for her hand. He's like, absolutely, you know, you're, he's like, you're the best person I've ever met in my life. And I can't imagine, no, this is not how it went at all. Uh, but he did say yes. 
And so the saving and the planning and all this goes, and, and, and then I wanted to plan kind of like the perfect engagement. And there's so much more pressure now, like to get engaged because you got to have like a team of photographers ready for the engagement. Doves get released. You got to be ready with the Instagram. You know, you upload it immediately. It's on Snapchat and all that. You got to make sure the filters are just right. There's so much more pressure now to, en- to get engaged to somebody. But even back then, I wanted it to be just right. And, and, and then, and then I get the ring on her finger and she says, yes, this is the point. Joseph is too. And then he finds out she is pregnant. And you might go, well, that's, it's 2021 pastor. That's not a big deal. Well, the scripture makes very, very clear that he is not the daddy and he knows he's not the daddy because Joseph knows he has not done what's necessary to be the daddy. So Joseph is certain that that which is conceived in her is not his, you are not the father. The results are in. You are not the father. He knows. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Even if, even if it's an arranged marriage, even if his family has traded goats, and, and you know, there's a lot of undoing at this point in time. Joseph is faced with immediate decisions. Immediate decisions. What would you do? What would you do if all this planning and all this all this thinking and all this time and all this dating and all this falling in love and all this planning to have the perfect engagement, she says yes. And then you find out that she is pregnant and you know for a fact the child that's growing inside of her womb is not your child. We read things like Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18 and 19 where the Bible says Joseph planned to put her away quietly and not bring disgrace to her. And I think the ladies in the audience might read that and go, what a pig, Joseph. That was baby Jesus. You were about to put her out. He didn't know. All he knows is I'm engaged to a woman Oh, pastor, I think he knew. No, he didn't know until verse 20 through 23 when he was dreaming and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, take her as your wife. He didn't know until verses 20 through 23 that that which was conceived in her was from God. But it does say that it was discovered that she was pregnant. I don't know how it was discovered that she was pregnant. And I don't know what Joseph thought. I can't put words where scripture doesn't speak, but there really only is a few options on how Joseph finds out she's pregnant and what Joseph thinks. Joseph could think maybe number one, that she stepped out on him and that she cheated. But the Bible makes very clear that Mary was a virtuous woman. I think Joseph knew that about her. And I don't think he necessarily thought that in this culture and in this era, there was bad things that happened to women an awful lot. And so maybe he thought something bad happened to her. Somebody took advantage of her and did something to her that should have been done to her. He could have thought that as well. Or the third option, which is my personal favorite, Mary has a sit down with Joseph. And I can only imagine how the conversation goes. Hey, Joseph, we need to talk. Okay, let's talk. She's cooked up some mutton and they're, that's lamb in case you don't know what mutton is. He's eating it. She has, a con- she has a conversation with him. She goes, Joseph, I need to tell you something. I'm pregnant. Immediately, Joseph knows I'm not the father. Bible makes it very clear Joseph knew he was not the father. And then my personal favorite is, is it possible that Mary goes, 
I'm pregnant. Okay. What you need to know is the father of this child in my stomach is God. If you put yourself in those shoes and that's a conversation you just had with Mary, you're thinking to yourself, okay, she's pregnant. Okay, she's crazy too. Right? Come back down to earth, Mary. Just tell me, just tell me the truth. You know, just say it. Just say the truth. I don't know if that's how it went, but I can promise you one thing for sure. The information that Joseph got was unexpected. It was absolutely unexpected. And if you put yourself in that situation, it's then that maybe you can understand how Joseph felt. Because listen, you probably have never had this exact scenario happen in your life. Because again, we established that this only ever happened one time to Mary and one time to Joseph. None of you are the father of God. None of you are the mother of God. Okay, this is a one-time thing. So the exact circumstance can't be identified with. But getting unexpected news and finding out that somebody else is in trouble or there's a problem, we can all identify with that. I can identify with Joseph from the, from the perspective of what Joseph just found out is going to change his life forever. It's going to change Mary's life forever. And in fact, now we know 2000 years later, it changed everybody's life. It changed the world. It was a marker on humanity, but they didn't know that right then. Mary knew it before Joseph knew it. Joseph didn't know it at all, but what he found out that unexpected news that he got, it was a game changer for him. And I can identify with that, man. I know what it's like to have planned. I know exactly what it's like to have a process in place. I know exactly what it's like to know what path I'm going to go down for my life, what choices I'm going to make and all the little puzzle pieces that I moved around and all the college courses that I took in order to go and to be this thing. And God say, Nope, that's not what you're doing with your life. Complete course change. I know what it's like to watch people in their life go, I went to college. I spent four years in college, five years in college, six years in college, eight years in college. I have a master's degree. I have a doctorate and God called me to the missions field. And now all of a sudden, everything that I ever planned for, God said, that's not what's going on in your life. That's not who I've called you to be and everything changes. We've all been in moments where the unexpected thing changes our life forever. And maybe for you, it's not a calling thing, but for some of you, God, I thought she was the one. I thought this was going to be the one. I thought this was the time. I thought I was in love. I thought this was the person that was going to be life changing. Or even I thought this was going to be forever. I never expected that news. I never expected those papers to be filed. I never expected that person to walk out on me. I never expected it. You knew when it happened though, your life was different and that it was changing. God, I thought this was the job. I thought this was the career. I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life here. Listen, some of you, some of you, my own dad, I watched that happen with my own dad. I thought I was going to retire from this place and boom, gone, gone. And everything that you thought you had laid a foundation for immediately shifts and changes. And all of a sudden you're dealing with the unexpected life. Listen, I can identify with Joseph because Joseph had to deal with news that he was not expecting. And the news that he got, while it was a pregnancy for Mary, it was a problem for him. And the Bible says very clearly that Joseph was a good man, 
a man of integrity, a man of character, a man almost of nobility, just not in the sense that he was a noble, but in the sense that he was, he was honorable and he was just. And, and, and he knew, he knew, listen to me, he knew according to Old Testament law, he was a man that was faithful to the law. And it's talking about the Old Testament law because Mary was pregnant outside of wedlock and that Joseph wasn't the father. Do you understand the consequences for her if Joseph had made noise about this could have been death? The Old Testament didn't work like the New Testament does. Wasn't so much of this stuff called grace. Things were clear, cut, and dry. You broke the law. The consequences of breaking the law are black and white. This is what happens to you. Boom, you have an affair, hit in the head by a rock. It's over for you. Just boom, pile of rocks. He knew. He knew that there were consequences, not for her actions, but for what was going on with her. He knew And the Bible says that he had in mind to put her away quietly. He must have loved her to some degree to care for her at the level that he did not want bad things to happen to her. He must have loved her enough or thought enough of her or thought enough of her family that, you know what, I'm not going to make a lot of noise about this because I don't want bad things to happen to her. Or even if, even in the situation where maybe he believes her, maybe she shared that this is the son of God, the Holy Spirit's conceived and and, uh, what? in me is conceived of the Holy Spirit. I'm getting ready to give birth to prophecy. I'm getting ready to give birth to the fulfillment of God's plan. Maybe he believes her and he goes, you know what? I'm not the man to meet the moment. I'm not the one. Maybe that's why he was going to put her away quietly because God's done this to you and God's going to use you in this way, but there's no way God could use a little old carpenter like me to raise the son of the, incar- the incarnate son of God. I mean, I can tell you right now, I told first service, I didn't feel adequate to raise the kids I've got. My first one's turned out pretty good for an experiment. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's going all right. But could you imagine having the task of raising the living son of the most high God? Hard pass. Hard pass. I've got flaws. I don't need Jesus inside of my household to point them out. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> my little three-year-old going, Dad, you shouldn't, you shouldn't think that way. You shouldn't talk like that. Dad, I can tell your thoughts. You'd be nicer to mom. You know, it's like, settle down, son. Settle down. I'm sorry. I apologize. You know, I just, I don't know. I don't know what Joseph thought in this moment. I don't know what Joseph thought about himself. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is he had to deal with a problem that came unexpectedly. And I want to look at it from this perspective because there's a lot of unexpecteds in this story, but the unexpecteds that we're dealing with today is an unexpected pregnancy for Mary and an unexpected problem for Joseph. Who among us hasn't planned and worked toward a goal and had it take an unexpected turn? And it's caused difficulty in our life. But listen to me, Joseph, Joseph is dropped into the middle of somebody else's problem. What happens as a follower of Jesus when God drops you unexpectedly into the middle of somebody else's problems? 
What happens when God unexpectedly drops you into the middle of somebody else's pain? What happens when God unexpectedly drops you into the middle of somebody's providence, part of their plan? You become a part of their plan, and God has you there in that moment. Joseph, Joseph had the ability to deny God and retreat. Mary couldn't. Mary had to give birth. Joseph could have walked away. Joseph could have denied God. He could have denied the dream. He could have said, you know what, I'm out. But what happens when God unexpectedly drops you into the middle of somebody else's problems? Some of us in here spend our life trying to avoid problems of our, of our own. I don't know about you. I don't like drama at all. At all. I don't like drama. Can I get an amen? Some people, I've learned through the years, some people are addicted to drama. They love it. They love it. Their life is Jerry Springer on steroids. That's a whole, not watching it, living it. That's the life. And I, I'm, not, I'm not dramatic. I'm like, oh, you're dr-. I, I, I dislike drama tremendously, and I'm a pastor, and God so frequently puts me in the middle of other people's problems. Thank you, Lord, for that. Funny, unexpected thing you do in our lives. God drops pastors in the middle of people's problems. What, what happens? What happens when God drops you in the middle of somebody else's pain, somebody else's problems? Well, pastor, you're a pastor. I understand that that's what you do and you're called, you counsel and you're helping people with marriage problems and when their kids go astray and you're there for that. And I know that's what you're called to do, but that's not really what I'm called to do. Listen to me. That is unequivocally untrue. God has called all of us God has called all of us to interact with other people's pain. He's called all of us to interact with other people's problems. No, he hasn't, Pastor. No, he hasn't. Okay. What does let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven mean to you? What does a city that's set upon a hill cannot be hidden mean to you? What does it mean when God tells you to put your light on a lampstand and not to hide it under a bushel? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to you when God says the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is a servant? What does it mean to you when God tells us that we're here to meet the needs of other people? What does it mean to you? What does it look like to you? To me, God says you are to engage in other people's pain. God has dropped you there to engage in other people's problems. You don't need light in the middle of a room full of light. God has called you to be a light unto the world, a city that's set upon a hill. What does that mean? He's going to take you into dark places and you're going to shine. He's dropped you into the work environment that you're in as a believer. He's dropped you into the family that you're in as a believer. He's dropped you into the friendships that you're in as a believer. He has allowed pain to come your way. When that plops down in front of you, what do you think your responsibility is toward it? We could run like Joseph and disengage, but I believe as a believer, we don't have that option. We don't get to walk away from the problem. Now, as Christians, a lot of times, our pat answer when somebody presents us with an issue is, we will pray for you. Praying for you. I will add you to the list. I will, add, I will call the prayer chain at the church and I will get it going and I'll get people praying for you. Number one, I want to tell you, this is, this is not a point in the message, but this is something I just want to share as a pastor. When you tell somebody, you will pray for them. Stop what you're doing right then and there and utter a very simple prayer up to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's a matter of integrity because if you say you're praying and you're not praying, it is a lie. 
When somebody asks you to pray, just say, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, I don't know exactly what's going on in their life. You do. And I'm asking you right now to touch that family, to heal whatever's hurt in their life. Be the Lord of life in Jesus' name. Amen. You've just walked in integrity and you've just placed their name at the throne of the king. That's simple. That's simple. So number one, pray for people when you tell them you're going to pray for them. But number two, what happens when somebody says, man, I've, I, I, got a lot of, I got a lot of problems going on in my life. I, I don't know what to do about this. Or, you know what, I'm, I'm going to have trouble making my bills this week. And you're sitting there going, I'm going to pray for you. And then they present a need. And here's the thing that happens to us sometimes. They present a need that we know we can meet. We know we can meet. We know we have the time, the talent, and the resources to meet the need. They say, you know what, man, I'm having trouble. I'm struggling to get this or I'm struggling to pay for that. And you feel God whisper down in your spirit, hey, it's good you're praying for him. Cut him a check. And then the war starts, right? The war starts that the, uh, the other guy on the other shoulder starts talking to you too and says, hey, 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 hey. You're throwing good money after bad. They've created that situation. That's their fault they're in that scenario. And you're not helping them by enabling them. Or how dare they ask me for, for money? Don't they know I've got a family to run? I've got bills to pay. How dare they ask me to take them to that doctor's appointment? I don't have the, t I have a full-time job. And my spouse has got a full-time job. And I have 14.3 kids who have 87 different sports games this week. I don't have time to take them to that appointment. And God says, you do have time. No, 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 no. And the war back and forth starts. God's dropped you in the middle of the pain and, and you think praying is big enough. And God said, I don't want you to pray. You're the answer to the prayer. You're the one to do it. You're praying for somebody else to come along and fix the problem that I put in front of you because you have the resources and you have the time and you have the talent and you have the ability to meet that need. And so often in times, if we're being honest, when we say, I'll pray for you, we're praying for somebody else to come along and check off the box for that person. That's what we're actually doing. God, you know their need right now. They need $100. God's going, you got $100. Lord, I just pray you send somebody along that gives them that $100. God says, you got $100. I'm asking right now, some benevolent soul comes along and gives them that $100. Or Lord Jesus, I'll give them $100 if you give $100 to me. God goes, I gave you $100 multiple times over and over. Release it. Release it. Test me in this. See if I will not bless you. See if I will not give to you pressed down, shaken together and running over. If I can get it through you, if I can get the wealth of the kingdom or the talent of the kingdom or the time of the kingdom through you, I'm going to multiply that in your life so you can give it over and over and over and over again. But if you withhold it, if you don't give that good thing that I've stored up on the inside, if you don't give that talent, if you don't help build that handicap ramp for that person that you know you have the ability to do it for, see, see if the favor of God still rests on your life. I'm not, that's not a, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want you to give out of a warning, but I want you to understand, man, the favor of God can come and go. The gifts of God are without repentance, but the favor that God has on your life, that can come and go.
Well, Pastor, it just got real in here. It just got real serious, Pastor. I feel super uncomfortable. Good. 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 What happens when God unexpectedly puts you in somebody's life because you are called to be the answer to their prayer? Look at the life of Joseph. Joseph has the angel of the Lord. Pastor Josh, you can come up. Joseph has the angel of the Lord appear to him in a dream. And the angel of the Lord, Joseph has his own revelation. He has his own ha-ha moment. He has his own moment with most likely Gabriel. He has his own moment where the angel says, listen, I want you to understand what's going on inside of your wife, your future wife. She's conceived from the Holy Spirit. And what she's about to give birth to is going to save humanity. And you could run from this, but I'm telling you not to. Because if you stick around, number one, your name will be remembered forever. But you're going to get to have the presence of God in your household. Could you imagine? Like we act like that would be a scary thing. I was joking about that earlier. But you have the son of the living God in your household. You're going to get to see things nobody else is going to get to see. You're going to get to witness him growing up and finding his gifts and his talents in the Lord. You're going to get to see him seek. the. You're going to watch him seek the voice of his father. Could you imagine Joseph gets a front row seat to all of these things happening as Jesus is growing in wisdom and stature before men and God. There was nobody else. This is an important point. In this particular story, that's a true story. There's nobody else in Mary's life who can cover the problem and cover the pregnancy and make it okay. Joseph is uniquely positioned as the only person in her her life that can fix what seems to be broken. She's pregnant out of wedlock. Her dad can't fix that. Her mom can't fix that. Good Samaritans can't fix that. But the betrothed, her husband, her future husband, he can cover that. He can raise that child. And God has put him in the position to be a covering for her. So many times, so many times we will have trouble come our way. And I'm not talking about in our own life. We'll have trouble come our way because a friend has had that conversation with us about what's going on in their life. Or you're out mowing the grass and your neighbor starts talking to you. And for some reason it goes down that path of what's going on in their world. And you find out, man, they're going through it. And you have compassion. I believe we're a group of compassionate people. You have compassion. But rarely do we ask God, why was this problem presented to me? It's time for us to have our own revelation, our own moment where the Holy Spirit reveals to us. You are in this scenario. You are here in this situation. You have engaged with this circumstance because I have uniquely positioned you as a child of God to be a solution in the life of another human being. And I care about them and they have been praying for somebody to come along. They've been begging me. You don't know they've been begging me for an answer to their prayer. They've already prayed about the problem. They've barraged the throne of heaven. And I'm sending you not as another prayer warrior. I'm sending you 
as the solution to the problem. Quit praying for somebody else to do what I have positioned you uniquely to do. That's the body of Christ. That's what a good church looks like. That's what a follower of Jesus does. A follower of Jesus doesn't look at the problems of humanity or the problems of their neighbor or the problems of other people. And we don't do, we don't sit around idly and do nothing. The Bible tells us to not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. And King Jesus models it for us as he serves. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. At some point in time, as we mature and develop in our walk with the Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say something I didn't say first service. I just feel led to say this. It's unexpected. <laughs> At some point in time, as we mature and develop in our walk with the Lord, the church is no longer about what we get out of it. Hear me. So many times as a pastor, I hear people say, I'm just not getting fed. And that's fine for somebody that's been saved for a year or two to say. But somebody's been saved for 27 years, pick up the spoon and eat yourself. Ain't nobody called to feed you no more. Eat. How do you do that? You serve, you engage. You realize the church is the sum of all of its parts, not just what's happening in the pulpit, not just this guy, but every other area of the building, every other thing that we do throughout the week. The body of Christ is who we are at work, who we are as a neighbor, who we are as a husband or a wife. It's who we are as a parent, and it does not stop because we came to church. That's what the body looks like. Listen, unexpected things are going to come your way. We're going to talk about different aspects of this story that were unexpected. But I'm asking you today, how do you deal when unexpected problems are presented to you? I want to pray for you today. I want to pray over you today that God will use you and open your eyes for you to realize you have been positioned and anointed right where you're at to be the solution where you are. I'm telling you, there are no accidents. There are no coincidences. There's only providence. God has put you where you are because he wants you to be used where you are. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Father, there are so many things that we have that this time of year, there are expectations, family expectations, traditional expectations that we have, and it's just not Christmas until these expectations are met. But Lord, as we read the story about Joseph and Mary and Jesus and all the cast of characters that surround this story, we can see all the unexpected things that happen that change people's lives forever. And Father, we have to realize, Lord, I... In this little new church that's seven months old, Lord, I've seen so many unexpected things happen this year that's changed people's lives forever. And Lord, as our lives are changed by circumstances and events that take place that we didn't expect, we didn't plan for. Father, there's people that's come alongside of us as we've gone through hardship. 
There's people that's come alongside of us as, as we've struggled. There's people that's given when we had a need. There's people that's prayed when we were broken. There's people that's visited and brought food when we just didn't even feel like cooking a, cooking a packet of ramen noodles. There's people that's been there. There's people that's met needs and stepped up in our unexpected moments and been the answer to our prayer. And Father, you're asking us to do the same, to turn around and be that person that steps up in those unexpected moments and meets the needs of other people. The greatest thing that we can do as a child of the Most High God is to serve people. Lord, we're here to serve. We're here to give. We're here to be a blessing in the lives of people. And Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, help us to quit running away from the possibility that we are where we're at because of providence. Help us, Lord, to quit running away from problems and and circumstances in people's lives and, and avoiding drama because we just don't like it. It's still not our drama. We still don't have to engage with it at the level where we make it our problem. But Lord, we can, we can always help offer the solution. And I'm asking right now, as we sit around tables over the next several weeks, we're going to sit around tables with family, We're going to sit around tables with friends. We're going to sit around tables with coworkers. And we're going to have conversations. Some of them are going to be uncomfortable. And I pray, Lord, that we would have aha moments in some of those conversations where we go, holy smokes, pastor just talked about that. And this has been presented to me. And my flesh wants to run away from this. But my spirit says I have the ability to meet some of this need. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to mature in our walk with the Lord, that we begin meeting needs, that we begin being the answer to somebody's prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, for putting us in these moments. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I like to ask this every service. We would be remiss if we didn't. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, listen to me. Your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing about you. You want to begin to know when people need you. You want to begin to hear the voice of God. You want to begin to to know what direction you're supposed to take, man. It starts with a relationship with Jesus. And maybe for you, you've had a relationship with Jesus, but you've allowed a distance, a a gap to grow in that relationship with Jesus. And you've allowed space to, to come between you and God. And you know in, in your heart of hearts, you know you want that gap to close. You know that you want to be walking hand in hand with the Lord. So this morning, the Holy Spirit's knocking on your, your heart. He's telling you to pray this prayer. I'm going to count to three this morning. And if there's anybody that needs to start a relationship with Jesus or you need to recommit in your relationship with Jesus, I'm going to have you raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. It's just me. We're going to pray together. And I believe God is going to meet you right on the other side of that prayer. The moment you open your mouth, you begin to say, Lord, this is me. This describes me. I believe God is going to close that gap. I believe you're going to be walking hand in hand with him. You might have walked in here distant from God, but you're going to walk out hand in hand with the Father. If that describes you, raise your hand on three. One, two, three. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I want to pray together. Can we pray together, church? This is one thing we're going to do together. Say, dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you love me. And I mean really love me. That you would give your life for me. A sinner who doesn't deserve it. I'm asking you today, Lord, to forgive me of my sin 
Forgive me of the distance that I've allowed in my walk. I pray that you come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Guide me. Lead me. Direct me. Save me. Jesus, thank you. And I ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Best prayer you ever prayed. Let me pray over you as we go. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the ability to gather together, to fellowship with one another, to worship together, to break the bread of life together and hear the word together. I pray, Lord, that God, I pray, I I just want to pray a prophetic blessing over Fusion Madison. Lord, that this church becomes one of the most life-giving churches that this region of Ohio has ever known. And Lord, not because of the name over the door, not because of who we are corporately. Mm. God, I pray this church becomes impactful because of who we're willing to be individually as followers of Jesus. That we are willing to engage in people's pain. We are willing to answer prayers. We are willing to be that salt and light. I pray that over my friends today that you would use us in ways that we never thought possible. And God, when it is all said and done, we will give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. We will see you next week for part number two of Unexpected. 